Spiritual Underground Podcast. Once again, this is Dan coming to you not from the woodshop at DTM Enterprises, but from the backyard at uh, our friend, our brother, Jesse's place at the lake. Uh, a few of us come together. He's invited some brothers down and uh, this here towards the you know, beginning of fall and uh, spend some time in fellowship and, and, and celebrate one another and uh, help one another grow. So I'm going to start a reading today. We'll introduce ourselves in a minute. And uh, this is kind of the uh, theme of today's, although we're going to do some stuff out of a, out of a, out of a big book and, uh, and do some kind of question and answer, get some people's uh, gut responses on some of the readings out of here and uh, just get some real um, spontaneous shares. I'm going to start out because with a particular reading that's always touched me because um, I believe that's what we do here in this thing. Um, this particular paragraph really hits home for me about why what we're doing. Uh, if you're missing this part of this of this program, uh, you're missing a big part of it. I like when some people say the spiritual part of the program, and our friend Don there, they said, "What's the other part?" Right? Uh, it is a spiritual program, and uh, so we'll get started reading this. This is off of page 132. If I can get my flashlight adjusted correctly here, and I still can't. There we go. We have been speaking to you of serious, sometimes tragic things. We have been dealing with alcohol in its worst aspect, but we aren't a glum lot. If newcomers could see no joy or fun in our existence, they wouldn't want it. We absolutely insist on enjoying life. And as a sideline there, some people say there are no rules in AA, but I see that as one of the rules right there. We absolutely insist upon enjoying life. We try not to indulge in the cynicism over the state of the nations, nor do we carry the world's troubles on our shoulders. When we see a man sinking into the mire that is alcoholism, we give him first aid and place what we have at his disposal. For his sake, we do recount and almost relive the horrors of our past. But those of us who have tried to shoulder the entire burden and trouble of others find we are soon overcome by them. So we think cheerfulness and laughter make for usefulness. Outsiders are sometimes shocked when we burst into merriment over a seemingly tragic experience out of the past. But why shouldn't we laugh? We have recovered. And we have been given the power to help others, more importantly. Everybody knows that those in bad health and those who seldom play do not laugh much. So let each family play together separately as much as their circumstances warrant. We are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. We cannot subscribe to the belief that this life is a veil of tears, though it, was, though it once was just that for many of us. But it is clear that we made our own misery. God did not do it. Avoid then the deliberate manufacture of misery. But if trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate His omnipotence. So that cheerfulness and joy if uh, people didn't see us having fun and that's what i've just said a couple times lately that i've walked into some uh, 12 step meetings where i felt like i walked into a library when you walk into our home group you found like you went into a concert uh the noise and the chatter of going on in that room is just something that uh i i just i just label it the the sound of recovery uh you hear people talking you hear that chatter you can hear us down the hall i tell people when they're looking for our meeting just come in the door and listen if it's anywhere like quarter after to 7.30, you'll hear us. Um, so what we're going to do today is I'm going to pull some stuff out of the big book and we're going to uh, do some spontaneous reading on it. And I'm not going to go in any particular order, but we're going to do some introductions and let you know. I know it's going to be uh, one of the pieces of feedback I've heard from people who uh, listen to the show is uh, when we're doing roundtable things that it's tough to follow multiple people. 
uh, in their voices here. So we're probably just going to do a once around, and this is going to be similar to a meeting. So in some sense, what we're doing here, and we all have agreed uh, at the beginning of this, we've uh, pinky sweared that uh, we were all in agreement and okay to record this meeting. You know, a lot of meetings, we'll hear the things say, uh, what's said here stays here, here, here. Uh, we all know that is not happening tonight uh, with the appropriate conditions of what we say tonight and protecting our own anonymity and the anonymity of others at the level that people want to be want to do that and uh, so we have set some guidelines beforehand on this tonight so what we are actually doing here is recording a 12-step meeting so uh, my name is Dan I'm an alcoholic but more importantly what I like to say in our TSSR meetings is I am one too whatever you guys are I'm one too man I'm pushing my chips to the middle table and be one of you guys Good evening, my name is Vlad, and I am an alcoholic. Hello, I'm Jesse. I'm an alcoholic, and also one of those, too. What's up, fellas? Travis, alcoholic. I'm Nick, and I'm an alcoholic. Shane Gibson, alcoholic addict. Hey, I'm Drew. I'm an alcoholic. Glad to be here. I'm Charlie. I'm an alcoholic, and I am one, too. And I'm Brian, and I am also one, too. Thank you all. So we'll do one more time. We got Vlad. We got Jesse. We got Travis. We got Nick. We got Shane, Drew, Charlie, and Brian. And there's something uh, specifically important to this, and it's important to me from that level. of uh, All these guys have some connection to the same lineage of sponsorship that I do. Uh, four of the guys here are actual sponsees of mine. Two others are grand sponsees of mine, which I mean they're sponsees of my sponsees. And one, Shane, here is a sponsee brother. And we're all guided by the author of the 12-step uh, spiritual recovery. So when you hear the things in your life that you've got, what we're going to be talking about in these miracles, that's a place where you can get it in case you don't have uh, a traditional ism. Uh, these steps are available for everybody. Want these tools in your life? You can have them. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to blindly turn to a page in here and I'm going to try to stay inside the first 164 and uh, and I'm actually going to do it. Um, trying to think if I should pick or if I should wait for a volunteer. Has anybody got any thoughts on that? You think I should pick? Right, yeah, I don't want you to hear the question because I want it to be shared from the uh, from the heart. And uh, I just set my flashlight someplace to the left of me. Thank you. Vlad keeps on trying to get me to use his headlight, and I'm resisting. I have my own headlight. I didn't bring it here. Uh, it's someplace here. All right, so... Um, Drew. Licorice, licorice, liquor. This is from page five of Bill's story. Liquor ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. Black bathtub gin, two bottles a day, and often three got to be routine. Sometimes a small deal would net a few hundred dollars, and I would pay my bills at the bars and delicatessens. This went on endlessly, and I began to awaken very early in the morning, shaking, vi shaking violently. A tumbler full of gin followed by a half dozen bottles of beer would be required if I were to eat any breakfast. Nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation, and there were periods of sobriety. 
What's that bring to your gut right off? Because I can tell it talks to you. Oh, yeah, it does, absolutely. Um, again, my name's Drew. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, Drew. That one definitely hits me right at my core because I was absolutely more of a low-bottom drunk, I guess you could say. That I absolutely was a daily drinker, and there wasn't a, a minute that went by that I didn't have an alcoholic beverage. Really, it was just a giant aquafina bottle that was emptied of all the water and just filled with pure vodka and uh, and i would i would wake up at about it got to the point where i would wake up at about 3 30 4 o'clock in the morning sweats shakes and i'd have that bottle right next to my bed because i knew that i was going to have to drink if i wanted to get back to sleep and then of course i'd wake up at about six o'clock and have to start that whole entire thing over um and especially really speaks to me about it not being a luxury. Um, I was in a sales position uh, for a little bit over two years. And so I was making money from bonuses and things like that to where I got to, unfortunately, I didn't, because of that money, I was able to keep that habit alive of that daily drinking to where I really didn't have to face those consequences, financial consequences. And so it really, it really just was no longer fun there for the longest time. And it really did just become a necessity for me to actually get through the day. And uh, even when I had enough alcohol, I can remember that I would have dreams of people finding that bottle yeah. of what I thought everybody knew was water but it was vodka. I would have nightmares that I was at a party or like a work event and I lost it somewhere and that everybody, I would just be feverishly looking for it. And then I was just always living in constant fear of being found out. But, uh, so yeah, that one really, really strikes me to my core to, to think that I wouldn't even live in my life at all. It was literally chained to that bottle. And if I didn't have any right then and there, then I was planning on how I can get some because yeah. I never went without that's that's what I got for it I've been it, hey, Drew, it brings up a story I'm gonna hit everybody with this second question so now it's gonna come out of the out of the hat but you'll have a chance to think about that one but uh we'll tap on it on the end makes me think of a story about one time when some people were down at the cabin with my with my family and my dad was there and we had coolers and we were drinking you know openly it was no big deal and uh and my dad reached into somebody he was fishing around for a bottle of water and he just reached into a cooler and grabbed up a bottle of water, just like any of the ones you see sitting here at the table. And he pulled one of these out. And I happened to be standing over beside him when he was doing it. And he wheeled off the cap of that water, man, and he turned that thing up, man, and chugga-chugga-lugga-chugga-chugga. And then he said, drop that bottle. And you saw his eyes get big as saucers, man, and he just spewed whatever was left in his mouth out. And he said, God damn, that ain't water, that's vodka. And the person who had been doing that was morbidly you know just just flip the fuck out right because this person was caught just with that same thing you just said about wishing you know hoping nobody would know and uh and hell i didn't know that she's you know i didn't know this person was sitting there i thought they were sitting there drinking water all day long uh so my second part of the question of is it goes back to this paragraph that i read in the opening about this cheerfulness and this brotherhood and this doing this stuff together like this you know uh speak to that connection that we have on uh, this fellowship and a special bond that that specifically we get to enjoy. I know others get it, but ours specifically. Yeah, um, 
I think that our, our connection is so unique just because, one, I just didn't have it before I met you guys. You know, there were people in my life that I would consider friends, but uh, what we have, you know, you, you spoke to it earlier. You said that we all have some type of connection, that we're all part of the same lineage. And I, I love to refer to that as our family tree. Yeah. I mean, that, that's really what it feels like to me. Um, so, I mean, we, we really do. We just all have a connection to where, uh, and now we're actually being able to expand that connection to touch other people that are, are not, facing alcoholism or, or addiction as well as far as in the traditional sense but um, yeah I, I would just honestly just call it pure friendship and love and understanding and acceptance to where you know we can come up to each other and or text each other if we ever need to with some serious stuff or we can just go and jump in the lake and just have fun and laugh together yeah it's it's no holds bars type of friendship yeah, we're sitting here at the very end of September, and uh, yeah, we bobbed around the water a little bit today. So I will choose the next guy because I think that's going to be kind of the way I want to do this for the time being. Uh, the next one's going to come to Nick. I almost cheated and turned the page again, but uh, I didn't. Yeah, you want to be about a fist away from that microphone or so. These do a good job of picking up ambient noise, so we don't have to have great. That's one of the things about these microphones, and I know this is a little bit funny on here, but uh, these microphones are great at picking up people who don't have a good a, a lot of microphone discipline. If you get some microphones, and Jesse, I think, can attest to that. If you're not right on them, they don't pick you up. you got to be speaking right into them. These do that, but the flip side of that is they pick up all this ambience. Like I'm sure they maybe can hear them crickets chirping and that kind of bugs but that's uh that's that's also a little bit of ambiance this is that raw uh unsterilized thing we do here at the spiritual underground podcast all right well, this is interesting for you here are thousands of men and women worldly indeed they flatly decry that since they have come to believe in a power greater than themselves to take a certain attitude towards that power and to do certain simple things there's been a revolutionary change in their way of living and thinking in the face of collapse and despair in the face of the total failure of their human resources they found that a new power peace happiness and sense of direction flowed into them this happened soon after they wholeheartedly met a few simple requirements once confused and baffled by the seemingly futile futility of existence, they show the underlying reasons why they were making heavy going of life. Leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. They show how the change came over them. When many hundreds of people are able to say that, they, that the consciousness of the presence of God is today the most important fact of their lives, they presented a power, powerful reason why one should have faith. Hey everybody, I'm Nick and I'm an alcoholic. Thanks, hey, Dan. Nick. Um, and I can come back and touch on anything you want to like redo. So, uh, well, where I'm at right now is I just did my third step. Yeah. So this is kind of where I'm at dealing with what is the conscious consciousness of God. <coughs> For me, it is listening to my gut, not listening to my head. If I think I shouldn't do it, then I probably shouldn't do it. Um, a lot of it's reaching out to you when I have questions because I'm a terrible manager. I need a new manager. Um, but a lot of it is just not going with uh, old ideas and exploring new ideas. You know, Today we did something really cool I would have never done because I'm not a big 
person on tight, closed spaces. Um, yeah. But I wasn't you afraid to do that it today. You well, I wasn't afraid to do it today. We went to a cave and did a meditation, um, which was one of the most unique experiences of my life, without a doubt. Yeah, when we were sitting in that dark space, I wondered the same way when we did a little warning here that our voices were going to go outside. The, this, you know, this is not a what stays here uh, what what's said here stays here situation I, I had a little thought while we're all sitting there in the dark go man i hope somebody is not like we probably should say is anybody gonna be really freaked out about a tight space uh, <laughs> but apparently we all made it so uh if i would have been in there by myself i think i would have been a little freaked out but knowing that i had you know uh my brothers around me uh, and it wasn't that tight we had elbow room and stuff so it wasn't a tight space but we were definitely back in a dark cavern where we turned off all the lights and it went to that extreme absence of light yeah. which was a, a complete darkness yeah um and it was one of those things i could feel god in there with us yeah the energy um the peace and quiet uh the smell of the earth that we talked about um and it was one of the weirdest things like i couldn't tell the difference between my eyes open and my eyes shut yeah you know um you have a tendency to want to clamp my eyes shut during any meditation you know, just because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do what I'm doing is shutting off one of my sensory perceptors, and uh, and you didn't have to do that in there, that's for sure, because it was turned off. Yeah, I mean, I, it was without a doubt. I can't think of too many more unique experiences in my life than what I had today. Um, and just to further on that, Drew, who just heard, who you just heard from, led us through a, a awesome visualization, a guided meditation while we were in there. And, uh, and, you know, that's another bonding experience when our brothers are, uh, actually, you know, go out on a limb. Because there's a lot of vulnerability to do what you did today. You know, to go, to, to, to put yourself out there like that in front of other people, you know. And, and I can say for myself that, I you know, I, 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 I honor that, like, uh, I honor that wholly. And also, man, there's nothing better than, uh, than a person leading you through that. Especially somebody you love, you know, some brother loving, guiding you through that. Yeah, it was a uh, very cool guided medication. I could see everything that was described the whole time. Um, and like I said, I could visualize where everybody was in the room without actually being able to see you. Um, just feeling that energy, warmth, love around me. Um, it was pretty cool. And one of those things that I'll never forget. Yeah, I'm going to lead you a little bit on, on another little question thing. And uh, being that I'm the host, I get to do that. <laughs> Uh, so since doing the third step prayer the other day, we did that Tuesday. So that's been whatever, how many, four or five days ago. And then this thing says, since we've, since we've, uh, since we've made that decision, you know, that we've, uh, says they flatly declare that since they have come to believe, you know, and that's our second step is coming to believe and then moving into third and kind of making that decision that this is the deal. We're going to give up the reins and allow this, whatever it is, this power, some of it's my sponsor, some of it's the group, some of it's whatever I can get a hold of on a spiritual, more etherical nature. Uh, can you think of anything like, have you had any moments this week since then that, that would made you like, that would have like uh, solidified that third step prayer kind of thing where you go, yeah, man, that was what I call them as higher power or out of boys. And it, the answer is okay if you say no. Yes, um, recognizing my emotions quicker and being able to ask God to guide me in the right path and not be so negative because that's part of my disease is negativity. Uh -huh. Yeah, That drives me to drink, that drives me to do, do drugs. Um, and just not having the fear to reach out to people that are my support 
um, you know, you, Shane, all these people around the table right now. Um, it's just a sense of inner peace that I'm not doing this alone because I've been trying to do it alone for 20 years. Yeah, man. And it sucked. A lot of comfort in knowing that. Yeah. Yeah, I call it my safety net, you know, and I know it's under there, you know, so I can actually do some like high high dive maneuvers, some high rope maneuvers today, knowing I got a safety net underneath me, like getting vulnerable and reaching out to people that I wouldn't maybe necessarily reach out to. And yeah, cool. So I'll put the same question back to you. The fellowship, this brotherhood, speak to that for a minute. The ability to walk in a room with a bunch of guys and be able to look them in the eye and tell them you love them. Yeah. On another level that I've never felt in my entire life. You know, we all, out in the madness, I wear a lot of masks. I try to act like somebody I'm really not, and I'm still trying to figure out who I am. And that's what, you know, part of my wanting to be in this program with you guys is you all guiding me to find out who the heck I really am because I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I said I love you to more men in the last 54 days than I have in the last 20 years. And mean it. And mean it, and mean it, because I know you got my back, and I hope you know I got yours. Cool stuff, man. Hell yeah. Thanks, Nick. Cool, man. Thank you. All right. Who am I gonna pick next? I got a little, like a, a little pinwheel on my head. I'm spinning it. Uh, a couple of y'all have shared my little OCD thing where I bounce this ball around. I don't have a room in here. That's something I ever struggle with in the outdoors. If I'm inside, I build a, a thing in the wall, in the ceilings, and I bounce a ball around the room the whole time we're sitting there. So if you see me anywhere indoors, that is happening inside my noggin, and I cannot stop it. Uh, out here, I'm like, I struggle because I'm trying to figure out how to get it off that tree over there and off of that tree and back around because I need this continuous loop around here. I just let a lot of people in on some insanity that uh, lives upstairs in my brain. But that pinwheel is also picking people and it landed on Jesse. So, yeah, I'm going to talk because, so I'm going to end up, when you're over here, maybe we'll scoot around and share my microphone. And then, because uh, I want to be able to, 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 to have some interchange going on. And I'm trying to, I need to put a marker in uh, 164 so that I'm not delving back into the stories when I do my stab into the work. I'm trying not to actually hit in the spot that I, and you know some of what I'm doing? I'm grabbing up with my underlines. Like my sponsor four years and 10 months ago said, read this chapter and underline everything you can relate to and be prepared to discuss it. Has anybody ever heard that? Yep. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so that's what I'm hitting on is these things I've underlined huh it's very interesting but it is clear that we made our own misery God didn't do it avoid then the deliberate manufacture of misery but if trouble comes cheerfully capitalize it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence now about health. A body badly burned by alcohol does not recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. We are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is the most powerful health restorative. We who have recovered from serious drinking are miracles of mental health, but we have seen remarkable transformations in our bodies. Hardly one of our crowd now shows any mark of dissipation. Whoa. Jesse alcoholic. Jesse. Jesse. Amongst other things. 
that's an interesting one. Not at all what I was expecting. And I guess I deserve that because I wouldn't be sharing from the heart if it was something that I could just rattle off some bullshit thing that I heard 70 times or said 20 times. Yeah, I want to like back off from it. Like I feel like I'm like pecking on you in a way, but me and you have known each other as well. Me and you and I have known each other longer than any pair here, I think, probably because uh, uh, I met you early, early in my recovery. Yep. Um, that's interesting. So, can you read the first part again? Yeah, it says, uh, but it is clear that we made our own misery. God didn't do it. Yeah. Avoid then the deliberate manufacture of misery, which is one of my favorite things, uh, avoiding that deliberate manufacture of misery, man, because I can certainly fall prey to that a lot. Yep. But if the trouble comes, cheerfully capitalize on it as an opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. Okay, and the second part really rings true right now about the body badly burned by alcoholism. You yep. know, the first part I could do a whole thing on. The second part, really, I think is what's speaking to me more right now. Um, obviously, I wouldn't be sitting here if I didn't manufacture my own misery. Um, and I also wouldn't be sitting here if God hadn't intervened in my life and through the mechanism of you guys and this group and uh, several people I've met along the way. Um, but this year, it turned 40. You know, uh, last year I was in the madness again for the eighth year in a row of trying to be recovered and trying to stay sober. And I can't can't do it on my own and I couldn't do it for the last eight years but I did have lengths of sobriety uh turning 30 when I was 39 last year something really dawned on me that uh mentally it was you've drank and to and done things in excess since you were before a 10 a 10 year old you did it in your teens you did it in your 20s and you did it in your 30s are you going to do it in your 40s and that was one thing weighing on me spiritually and then physically the last five years I've really turned a corner where I had to acknowledge my own mortality and the uh, the fact that drinking for 25 years does not go without some punishment to your body as uh, most of the guys sitting here can attest to some more than others um, but I have come to face in the last year several physical maladies that I have to I have to assume came from my addictions um, I had sinus surgery this year from a deviated septum I have wrist issues from falls I have digestive issues from poisoning my body for 25 years heavily I have joint issues from getting hit by cars and falling and uh, various other you know manufacturings of my own misery mm -hmm. in a sense and uh really this year has been a real awakening on how um you know how attention to my disease doesn't just take away from my spirituality and from my relationships it takes away from my personal health it came before my personal health which means uh drew was sharing last night about a study where they tested mice and put them in a chaotic environment and then moved them away from a, their their natural chaotic environment and scared them and they ran back to their chaotic environment and um that's just real interesting how the mice would go back to harm themselves you know they would they would avoid food to go back to an environment that harmed themselves and in, in my case i would avoid things that were healthy for me to go back to my harmful environment and um you know having to call doctors to get weird things you know i call them weird things they're not weird things it's your wrists your knees your colon your lungs your nasal passages those are all important things that you know help you to live 
And for so many years, I avoided that as if those things didn't exist and as if you didn't need them to live. So, uh, you know, the bodily harm part really is ringing true to me now. And uh, I think that's what I have to say about that. So I'm 40. I'm not invincible anymore. And, you know, on the flip side of that is that you can go back out and try to uh, pretend like you're 20 again. I don't think that I have that many lives. There's not that many lives left in this cat for that. Yeah. Well, so. Some of us escape the uh, physical stuff more than others, you know, and then others of them, you know, this stuff is uh, wears on you. You're putting some, you're dumping some poison in you for a long time. And uh, we want to say that it's just, you know, that maybe the two things aren't related, right? That's what I right. want to say is that that's is, ah, you know, I'm just getting older. Uh, but yeah, I know that you've had a lot of a physical struggle, struggles in, in here lately and, and you're walking through them and that's our testament to doing this, this way of engaging and allowing everybody in on the story, you know, so that we're with you, they'll be able to help you, yep. pray you through it, show up whatever ways we can do that. I wouldn't do it if I wasn't sober. Yeah. I would, I would run from that and I would hide, you know, in my disease and my drinking. I, I wouldn't be able to stand up and face anything bordering reality of you know a doctor might say this or this might be your condition or this issue isn't going away and you're going to have to have surgery or something like that you know i would not be able to handle any kind of reality if i was out in the madness yeah. like that yeah and so i think at some level you know and this goes into the part b of everybody's question tonight is uh is this fellowship and the brotherhood and you know i think at some level in a way you know there's some accountability that goes on that says hey man i gotta start being accountable to uh, my friends and my brothers on you know taking care of me and uh and so we want to speak a little go ahead and share a little bit of what your end of things is and as far as and jesse is the host tonight and yeah. just for a uh, heck of it i will say you know some people have had their stories told on the spiritual underground some of the people in the circle so uh, jesse's is one of them if you want to uh tune in and hear a little more in depth about about jesse's story yeah about our brotherhood uh, first i have to say when i did the podcast it was february i think i was about a month sober it was real early. And it's, uh, yeah, it was really cool. You know, things like that are what keep me in this group instead of going back out because most of the time when you're one month sober, nobody asks you to come on a podcast and share your story. They tell you to shut up until you learn something. And uh, I don't yeah. think that's right. I think no matter if you have one day or 10 days or a thousand days, you have something to say to somebody who needs to hear it somewhere. But so thank you for that. Um, and about this brotherhood, I think that kind of thing is an exact testament to that. You know, there is no. I've been sober longer than you, therefore I'm better, or I've been hurt worse than you, therefore I'm more scarred, or I've done more, I've had more sponsees, or I've done more step work than you, therefore I'm more recovered than you, you know, like um, these other guys said, we walk into a room, and it doesn't matter if I've seen you in five minutes, five days, I just got back from China, so I haven't seen these guys in four weeks, and, uh, but we have other ways of staying in contact. We stay in contact really just by our energy. Mm-hmm. We stay in contact by our texts, um, other social media platforms, phone calls. Uh, we hear about each other through each other, so we don't even have to talk directly. You know, uh, I know what people do without me seeing them, and they seeing me. And, um, you know, I just don't get that anywhere else. Somebody said at the beginning of this retreat, I came here to get more, and I'm kind of, I get bored with the other ways of doing things and that really rang true with me because I came in and out for six years before maybe five years before I found this group and uh, I came back this time wanting to come back to a way of life that was different than what I was living and it had very little to do with 
the pure fact of drinking. It was, I've lived life two ways, sober and not sober. And I've lived life two ways with a group, a recovery group that kicks ass. And I've lived in a recovery group that was really boring. And, um, you know, I want, I want that kick ass version. You know, sobriety is a part of it. But really, if all we did was get sober in this group, we'd be a boring bunch of motherfuckers. A glum we, lot. Yeah. We come and do shit like go into caves and do meditations and meet people we don't know and go uh, go fight health issues we didn't know we had and we help each other out and we support each other and uh, amen to that. So, yeah. Thanks. Cool, I'm Jesse. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, I think I, well, uh, I have some thoughts all of a sudden, but I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to keep on moving uh, because I want to talk about something and it struck me and I'm just going to go ahead and do it. So Brian's going to be next. But I would like maybe if we could shuffle so that he could get on that mic maybe. MBD. You know, I don't want to like, for some reason at the beginning, I'm like, why can't you? And I'm like, oh, you stupid. You can't just, we just can't move a little bit. <laughs> uh, and that's stupid is me. Um, that, that that question is to me. So uh, so I'm going to share something, okay, well, to, the, to the people that, uh, you know, so Brian is, is, is working the TSSR program and came into that because he doesn't fit the traditional uh substance chemical burn down that the rest of us does that the rest of us do and how we ended up using most of us found our bottoms that way and that's one of the unique things we're getting to do here is give this thing away to other people uh and and we do we walk around here and like christopher and i to say that you know we, we say this thing about wish everybody had a program wish everybody had these steps and it is available and people like brian are now actually engaging and jumping in there and doing that and i think that's super exciting it's a little bit of selfishness on one side of it i'll say is that uh it's opened up my pool of people i can help because 12-step work is what keeps me going today and it is what my primary purpose is today is to help other people get better whatever that means from whatever they're doing so it opens up that pool and that's another way to look at it from any kind of sponsorship standpoint is that it just gets you know, there's a lot of sick people out there right but the fact of the matter is is not that awful many of them are at willing to do the work at the moment you know you got to hit that sweet spot that's where the trouble is is finding a person when they're ready to do this thing and uh so today uh brian and i walked down a little while ago right about sunset to the lake and and went down on jesse's boat and and did a third step prayer and that is juice, man. And you can feel the power up here. And it's the first time uh, we obviously have a photograph of us doing that. And that is really cool to me. And uh, we share that, you because know, that's a memory to me that uh, it's a life-changing decision. That third-step decision is a, is a changing point. That is like stand it. That's like I have a little st second-step thing that says it that in there about we stood at the turning point, right? And that third step is the turning point, man. It is where you're going to decide to either go walk this thing out. And I make a pact with my guy that says, are you going to walk us out, man? Because I'm not going to let you start doing this fourth step and pick these scabs and get all fucking wounded and then bail on me. I need you to look me in the eyes and promise me you're in the boat with me, brother. Now, whether if they stay or they don't stay, that's one thing. You know, but let's let's make a pact with one another that this is what we're going to do. We're in this together because I'm giving my energy, right? I am fucking invested in you. I need you to be invested in me too. So we did that tonight. That was cool. So what I'm going to read... Is something out of the TSSR book uh, and have you comment on that. All right. Want to say hi, Brian? 
Hi, I'm Brian, and I am one too. There we go. So this is one of my favorite things that I hit out of this. It's out of the third step part. It's in the conclusion area. It says, the third step is nothing short of a call to arms. It is our personal battle cry to take a committed and mature responsibility to finally unhook ourselves from all the acquired prejudices and extraneous concepts that are choking and blocking us off from ever knowing any new and better God. The third step is a shedding of the old skin, a letting loose of every handicapped, broken tool that these other people promoted and pushed into us. For if their spiritually sick approaches were truly working for us, we wouldn't be here. And they too would be doing much better as well. That just puts chills up me, man, to think about. It. I love the thought that it's a battle cry, man. Uh, you know, a call to arms. I love that kind of language when I'm talking about doing this work. Uh, you know, because that's what it is. You know, it's, it, this, is, this, is, this is going after something. This is reaching, stretching, and, and making a commitment to, to unhook ourselves from the crap that's, I mean, I almost feel like I'm up against like a big sheet of saran wrap and I'm stretching into it, you know, my face is pulling through it, you know, and I'm just struggling because I'm not getting anywhere, right? And all them old thoughts is that piece of saran wrap. It's got a hold of me, man. And when I hit that, like, like uh, when I make that third step decision, it's like hitting it with a needle or a razor blade, man. And it's pops open, man, and I can move forward and, and start gaining some of my freedom. So uh, Brian's pretty new to this process a lot of us have bounced in and out right so like a lot of us here at the table have more time hanging around here than we have clean time and in recovery time uh brian is his first time trying to do this thing and and so uh why don't you share a little bit about that third step decision today and what you've been uh feeling maybe you think about that little paragraph i just read yeah so uh for me uh, i was raised catholic so the tools that i was given um were very uh, boring, quite honestly. Um, there wasn't a whole lot um, that I found within Catholicism or really just traditional religion um, that I felt would actually help me. And I could I could pray and I could, you know, scream out and, and do all these things. And I didn't I didn't feel like it was getting me anywhere. And my family really was like, oh, you know, you can pray away your depression and your anxiety and. You can pray your way out of all these situations if you just say the rosary once a day or whatever. And um, that just never really worked for me, man. I didn't, I didn't feel anything. And I, I've, I've gotten to this point, and we kind of talked about this last night, where there's some comfortableness or romanticism about the dark. And I, for sure, really, really embrace that. Um, and it's hard to kind of pull myself from that point. And uh, I was blessed about three years ago uh, with meeting Drew and um, just kind of seeing how he was living and how positive he was, man. I mean, even when shit hit the fan, this guy is so fucking positive and I wanted that and I didn't know how to get it. And, you know, he talked about TSSR and how the book was coming along and eventually, man, there's going to be meetings. And I'm like, hey, like when, man, let's, let's fucking win. And finally it happened. And uh I was able to get into it and I'm like, I found it. This is it. This is it for me. Like, this is the solution. And, um, I come to the meetings and everything and I suck at sharing, <laughs> but, uh, being here with this group of guys and just really feeling like I found a fucking home and a solution that I've been just crying out for. I mean, just really and truly just fucking need it. And, uh, I'm here, and I fucking did it, man. And and Dan, man, you're, you're just the shit, man. I mean, he's been, you've been so good to me, man. And uh, doing the third step today, I just felt it, man. It was just like, 
this calm where it was like you're fucking doing this like this is it you're you're on your way and there's so many wonderful things that can come from this if you just fucking do the work and I'm fucking ready to do this work man and I love this brotherhood so 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 much I've never had that um because this is really like your first taste of this right yeah this weekend is really your first taste absolutely 1000 percent. you didn't know many of these guys before showing up here me drew Mm -hmm. uh Nick. Nick. Yeah, I met Jesse at TSSR. Yeah, a couple of Shane, Shane, a couple times. But, yeah. yeah, so you met, yeah, met a few of us at TSSR yeah. meetings, yeah. So, but this uh, this sustained outside the room yeah, environment man. is... Uh, it's fucking raw. It's real. And you feel it. I mean, you feel it when you, I'm around you guys. I don't feel awkward. I don't feel weird. It just, it's like getting a fucking big-ass bear hug, man. I mean, you just get embraced by all the good energy yeah. and the love, and there's so much fucking juice. I mean... What's not to love? Why wouldn't you want to do this? And uh, it's like a warm blanket around yeah, us. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And same thing. You know, I kind of felt that when we were down at the at the boat doing the third step work. You know yeah. that you know there's a there was a warm blanket wrapped around yeah. us from the love that was here present with us. And what a cool time to be uh, doing that. You know, something that's been taught to me by my sponsors to make this stuff. Uh, Make all this work important, man. Make it ceremonial. Put some importance and some structure on it so that it means something. Because it fucking does mean something. No, 100% it does. Yeah. By the way, you don't seem to be having no problem sharing now. <laughs> I'll get there. I'm working on it. it helps. I hear what you mean, though. And it means it's tough, you know. And this yeah. is how, the, you know, so like, well, how cool is this? That this is the way you get to practice, right? Yeah. In a real safe and protected environment, right? And you get to get a little share and practice into your belt and... Yeah. Uh, I was actually thinking about that because I was like, man, I'm probably going to be a lot more active in the meetings now that I've had like this and it's, you know, a little more close knit and I feel like I'm getting to know you guys and I don't feel like there's any fucking judgment, you know, I mean, we've yeah. all been through shit. So yeah, some confidence will pop out and yeah, getting yeah. there. Cool. Cool, man. That's uh, yeah, I'm really excited for you. I really am. I really am really excited for, for watching you walk and grow and do this deal. And, and it, it tickles me too, to be like on this ground floor of, operating away in a place where we can start offering this to people who are not traditional 12-step uh, people yeah. even though you just to go on even though you struggle with a lot of the same things we have right yeah so absolutely. i mean you get it when we're talking oh you know, no it's not I, like you're I sitting mean, over on another planet and we're talking about dope and alcohol and you're going well i don't get that yeah uh, <laughs> you, you you have a little of that too so that's the thing is that we uh bounce around like this uh, you already kind of answered a little bit of the part b question about the brotherhood do you have anything else more you want to uh, knock around on that or no man i just fucking love you guys and this is the shit and everyone should fucking try it yeah man juice <laughs> because I mean that's it you know it's and you see people transform so quickly you know I mean you get them in here and you get to talking to them and you get them wrapped up and they start uh, becoming part of this program you know and you watch people transform out of the gates because you weren't acting like this you know we ain't been working together that long <laughs> you're right <laughs> uh, been a really short amount of time um, uh, Shane thinks he knows what page it is and it's got me hung up uh, it's like I'm like, I should just tell him, okay, what page is it? So I'll just read it. Because uh, <laughs> I'm afraid I won't turn to the right page, right? That's how we are. They're all the right pages. I'm secretly hoping you don't. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Let's see if I popped it. If he already knows, that means he's been thinking the whole You know what time. I'm going to do? It's my... Th- I'm going to hand this to Vlad, and, and in my little leather piece there is the divider of the first 164 pages. You pick a paragraph in there. there you it go. don't have to be one I'm underlined. My lies my will go to the stuff I've underlined. What page is it, Vlad? 84. 
Are you fucking kidding me? Fuck yeah. You said it's going to be page 83 or 84. It's 83, 84, the promises. Are you fucking kidding me? What the hell? <laughs> fucking goosebumps, dude. I told you. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but he hit a... He actually... <laughs> so, you said promises, you know, yeah. but what he's pointed out here are actually the 10th step promises, not oh, the 9th nice. I don't ones. know the 10th step promises. Yes, you so. do. You I don't do. know them as well. Yes, but you do in uh, the... And yeah. in your... In your, in your, the love for the promises in your life is certainly something that uh, that, that shows big time, so... Uh, Shane is up next, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, for by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as from a hot flame. React, we react sanely and normally. We will find that this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That is the miracle of it. We are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we have been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected, and the hair just stood up on our arms again. We have not even sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. Shane Gibson, alcoholic addict. Shane. Man, that was fucking juice. Um, so, when I first decided, made a decision to try to come and get recovery or even tell on my disease, um, was October 3rd, uh, 2016. And that day, I was going to put a gun in my mouth and blow my brains out. And I didn't. One of the reasons I didn't is because I wanted to tell my own story. I didn't want somebody to tell the story of what they thought I was. Um, because I was living a lie myself. I didn't know who I was. Uh, but I wasn't that person, that the, the addict that I was that day. And um, the moment I spoke the truth about my disease, it felt so good. It felt like the weight of the world was lifted off me. And I felt this freedom I'd never felt before. And honestly, from that moment forward, I've not had that urge. It was like almost instantly lifted from me. And I thank God for that. I mean, I literally was driving to the brook and uh, one of my dope dealers called me and said, I got 10 for you. And um, I said, I don't want them, which surprised me because I was dope sick. I'd been dope sick for two days. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm doing this thing. You know what I mean? I, and I, I told him, I, I'm going to rehab. Thanks, but uh, you won't be hearing from me anymore. And I fucking meant it. Yeah, man. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm coming up on three years and just a few days, man. And it, it doesn't even feel like it. It feels like a whole lifetime ago. And yesterday at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, it's just a whole different life that I'm living today. And I... I can go around people that are drinking or doing drugs or whatever, and it, it doesn't affect me at all. Like, that's them. That's not me. I don't have to have any part of that. I don't recoil from it from like a hot flame because I don't even reach for it. You know what I mean? It just, it doesn't even, 
it's not appetizing anymore you know what i mean i don't have that hunger for it that's that place of neutrality what yeah. he speaks of here yeah man and it it's a beautiful way of life man uh i finally found what i've been searching for my whole life which was happiness you know and i found it here through the 12 steps you know and i've done the 12 steps through the big book and i've done it through the tssr i got more out of the tssr um and uh let a lot i can i can pretty much say everything go finally you know what i mean because the first time i did the steps i didn't let everything go and i was like man i still had this thing just like eating at me you know and um, but I did them to the best of my ability at the yeah, time. Yeah, see, sometimes we're teachers. not able to, you know, I mean, because that's one of the, they, you know, one of the great things about this work, too, really, is that we get to continue to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, a lifelong the book says process. continue, 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 you know, and, and I frankly wasn't, you know, uh, with Christopher the first time going through with him. I wasn't able to deal with some stuff that I was able to deal with at subsequent trips through the steps. Mm -hmm. Just wasn't able to do that. Just wasn't able to climb that mountain at the time. So, yeah, um, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. So uh, uh, he did, uh, you know, hit the page that he thought, you know, and that is some of the stuff because uh, Shane's got some magic in him. It's uh, <laughs> pretty wild. And uh, it's sometimes hard to believe, you know, but I've been witness to it enough times that I can't, you know, I can't deny it. You know, I mean, <laughs> I want to, but right. I can't. <laughs> uh, that intuition man it's it's so strong and when you when you are connected and you're in that flow you feel the flow and you are the flow yeah you know yeah i get it man <laughs> it's just it's it's a cool freaking feeling man I've, and i never had a connection like this before now to speak on my brothers here you know it's just like i've never had this kind of bond before with anybody you know even <laughs> new guys i hardly even know you know it's just like i get to know them very quickly and it, you have that spiritual connection with people and when they're they're on the same path as you, and they're wanting the same things as you, you grow quicker. You know, you grow that bond a lot quicker. And um, I'm glad to be here with my brothers. Um, we carry a real bright lantern, man, and people see it, and that's what the connection. I think to me, at least the way best way I can describe it is that you know people see that even when they're new, you know, and it's infectious, and they you know you, you're one of the guys that people quickly see, you know, that that little uh, thing about. Uh, having what somebody wants do you have you know and people see what you have and and frankly you know hell i want what you got you know and you, you do you, you have got, something you know? and this gets to be you know this starts getting into some territory that people won't really you know that, that some people want to balk at and you know there's a piece of me that wants to but i'm opened up my heart and my vision and things have opened up today but you've got some second sight some shit that's beyond the normal stuff and uh and it's just trippy and frankly it's a little scary too you know i've been scared of my whole life uh that, that that you have that you know the kind of thing like where you told the dude where his lost car keys were and some other mm -hmm. kind of stuff and how you always seem to be in a place to help people like in like really car physical dangerous drowning yeah, yeah like save fucking people and shit you know we joke around about it now like we went in that cave today and i figured there'd be a lost family in there with since shane was going with us we were <laughs> they'd be trapped under some rocks back here and shane would lift the rocks up off their legs and let them free uh and I wouldn't have surprised, you know, out of way, yeah. Mm. Uh, should have seen that coming. Yeah. Uh, cool, man. Love you to death, brother. I love you. I love you. I love you all. Thank you. And by the way, man, Shane's uh, story's in there, too, so you all want to listen to his. Uh, not that it's a contest or anything, but Shane's been listened to more than anybody else. Cheers. Should make you do all of them. Travis.
What'd you do? Shoot a basket? Yeah, he did too. Good Charlie job. Did, first. did he? Yeah. Cool, cool. Hmm. <laughs> That's funny, but I landed on that, brother, so I'm going to read it, okay? Give it to me. Page 69. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Then we have the voices who cry for sex and more sex, who bewail the institution of marriage, who think that most of the troubles are of the race are traced to sex causes, that they think we do not have enough of it or that it is not the right kind. They see its significance everywhere. One school would allow man no flavor for his fare, and the other would have us all on a straight pepper diet. We want to stay out of this uh, controversy. We do not want to be the arbiter of anyone's sex contact, conduct, contacts, sex conduct. We all have sex problems, and that's a, that, this particular line has been in the spurt bucket every single time because I think it's worthy of discussion at any table where we're getting together. We all have sex problems. We'd hardly be human if we didn't. Question is, what can we do about them? Hmm. I'm Travis, alcoholic. Hey, Travis. Travis. What's up, fellas? What's up, buddy? Uh, you know, I've been married for quite a while, so, uh, you know, like anybody else, I have my sex problems. Uh, if I didn't, I wouldn't be human. Uh, kind of, the first thing it made me think of was the delusion, how delusional you are, you know, even in sobriety. Uh, sometimes, you know, when I'm coming home from work late at night, I'll turn the radio off you know and just just think just be quiet you know just hear the quiet just for one you know 30 minute ride just be quiet and uh my wife is actually in south florida right now uh she just picked up her first year juice yeah man uh, <clears throat> i was thinking about going down and surprising her you know uh for her year and because uh, i know the church she's gonna have it at and all that you know her, that she had it at and then my delusional alcoholic brain says well what if she walks in with a guy you know well, then what are you gonna do mm. and then I you know went a few more miles down the road and said well what if she walks in with two guys <laughs> then what are you gonna do and uh, well then in a few more miles I said what if she walks in with a group of guys then what are you gonna do by the time I got home she was doing porn yeah <laughs> you know that's how fucked up my head is like really like that's how fucked up I am like I'll take a sex situation or any situation to make it the worst possible case scenario it could possibly be before I'm done thinking about it. But there's these tools that I've been given now that I didn't have before. You know, and I, my toolkit's not full. It's not even close. It has a few tools in it now that I can use that I didn't have before. Uh, you know, I can pick up a tool here or there and I can I can use those tools to, to stop the, the, those thoughts and th that way of thinking, you know, and, and say, hey, something's not right here. I shouldn't be thinking this. You know, I can use one of my tools in my toolkit and say, okay, let's stop thinking about that. Let's think about the positive things. But how about maybe she's chairing meetings and sponsoring girls and has a group of women that care about her. And, like, maybe she's doing the right thing, not the most possible negative fucking thing you could possibly think of, dumbass. Yeah. You know? Yeah, this might be an all-women's group. You're not even invited. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any fucking idea, but I'm going to make it all-men's group that she's having her fucking year right, at, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. That's how fucked up my sexual brain is, you know? So, um you know, I've just been thankful to, to actually have a few tools now to use to, to actually be able to squash that shit and put it out, you know. And I didn't have that before. Before, I would just say, fuck it, let's get high. Yeah. You know, let's let's use your other solution, you know. Drugs and alcohol were always my solution, you know, to, to, to put that fire out. And I, I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. one of the things that TSSR always taught me, Christopher always taught me, was like broadening these broadening these definitions. And we just talked today with uh, Brian about broadening the definition of the term resentment. You know, when I'm looking at a sex inventory and doing that kind of work, I broaden that too, where I'm looking at like all my relationships at some level, you know. Right. Because even, you know, because um, it helps me make a bigger swath of, and, and I can take a bigger bite out of my work by looking at it from a relationship standpoint more so than just you. Because we also, all, as men around the table, we know we got that underlying sex thing laying sure. there. Uh, but but some of that drives my relationships in general, you know, and mm. uh, and, and and even like uh, you know my my sexual relationship in my in my in my with, with an intimate partner can have a bearing on what I'm doing outside of my outside of that relationship. You know, I will diss you, my oh, yeah. buddy, yeah, uh, and, and, and because you know I want that at home, right. I'm going to make myself the best choice in the room, whether you believe it or not. I'm going to convince everybody in that room I am. Right. You know? Yeah. So, whatever it takes. Yeah. Well, good answer, man. Uh, you've been around a little while. This is the first time on the microphones, though. Right. Um, Nick's been in the room during podcasts. Uh, Charlie, have you been around when we've been shooting any podcasts? Uh, Charlie's getting ready to hit one year in just a few days, right? <laughs> Yeah, and so we did something really cool, and then you can just expect your next really soon, too, because I got Vlad in here on his one-year anniversary, and, and you ain't going to... I don't know if we'll land on your day or not, uh, but we're going to be pretty close. We'll be within some time on that, uh, I promise you. So uh, so you just a little bit of... Just, just, just so some people can get to know you a little bit, I think that's cool to do, is that... Uh, um, you shared you'd been, you'd been struggling to... You've been playing with this thing for a little bit. Sure. And, um, you know, a, a wise man, we'll call him Chris Kringle, asked me uh, one time, you know, because I felt like the boy who cried wolf, man. I felt like I was the, always like, oh, I'm going to do it this time. Yeah. This time I'm going to do it. Yeah. No, this time I'm really going to do it. Then I go get drunk. Then come back and be like, okay, but this time I'm, gonna, I'm serious this time. And every time you were telling the truth. Right, right. But, you know, this wise man asked me one time, he's like, so if this is the time you're going to really do it, what was the piece that was missing before? Like, what do you have this time that you didn't have before? Why didn't you do it before? Like, what is it this time that's going to make you be, be sober forever? Yeah, what's different? I spent eight years in the Marines. And I found that brotherhood, you know, in the Marines. Like, I had people that cared about me that would risk their life for me. And I searched high and low for that when I came into recovery. You know, I looked... Even when I got out of the Marines, that whole t last 10 years or so, I've been searching for checking street gangs and motorcycle gangs and trying to find that, you know, find that again, and I couldn't find it. And I found it this time. With these men here, I found that brotherhood again. Yeah. You know? It, I had to search and search and search, and I didn't find that when I came to recovery before. So every time I came in, I was like, yeah, I mean, it's okay, you know? Like, I see these other guys that are so happy and joyous and free and rainbows and blowjobs. And I'm like, why can't I have that? You know? Why? Yeah. I don't understand what I'm missing here. But I didn't know any better. Yeah. You know? And when I found it, it was like, eureka. You know? I don't have to fucking think about extinction of my life. Right. Anymore. I don't have to think about dying every day anymore. I don't have to think about losing my family or my everything. For me, when I landed here, it was annoying, too. You know, it wasn't like a thought that it wasn't real. You know, I mean, it was so knowing, not a thinking. It really was a known thing that I was like, hold on. 
this is it. Right. This is it right here. Yep. You know, I still have my Downing Thomas bullshit back there speaking at sure. me, which I, you know, I don't know if I ever get over that completely, but I really did in my heart knew that, that I had landed. Right. You know, I think some people that, that never had that brotherhood before didn't know what they were looking for, but I knew what I was looking yes, for. Yes, I didn't. I knew. I knew what I was but, searching for, but I just couldn't find it. Yeah. Until I landed here by God's grace, because there's no other way that I would have been here tonight, you know? Yeah, man. That's there's no cool. other way. Yeah. That's awesome. That's juice, man. I'm really glad that you found us. Hell yeah. That we found you. Hell yeah. Uh, however it worked. Yeah, I love you guys. Yeah, I always wonder about how that, I love that little line, and that's come to me, whatever, that uh, when Marshall was talking about finding those crystals in his backyard, I said, you didn't find them. He said, yes, I did. I said, it, they found you. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah, so uh, who knows how it works. I'll, I'll toad there. Thanks, man. And no, so you, you touched on the Blue Brotherhood thing on Pretty Wells. Or... No, that's about it, man. Cool, man. Thank you. Thanks for being on here and, and, and being uh, vulnerable yeah. enough to share and, and do this thing, man. Thank you. Thanks, uh, you get, thanks guys. Get you on here some more, too, man, because these stories are real. We want to share this, man. You get to do that. Any, mighty move, any, meeny, mighty mo, any, meeny, mighty mo, any, meeny, mighty mo. I'm going to go Vlad first. <laughs> I'm gonna get somebody else to pick the page. I'm too close to uh I'm too close to Vlad. I think I'm going to. I'm just trying to yeah, find the, definitely the spot. He seems to want to real bad over. Uh-huh. Alright, I just wanted to put the the little <laughs> thumper in here of where the sixty the first hundred and sixty four is out. Alright, Charlie, what you got for me? If you want to read it or if you want me to, I don't care. You want me you wanna read it? Let's pull that over closer to him. It's got turned around though. And when we're doing that, we kind of want to reach back here and grab him. Uh, uh, cords to make sure they're staying plugged in. This is going to be a little different. What are you doing? Hiding. Yeah. I just stab in there, man, almost like pin the tail on a donkey. Except for, you know, my eyes will instantly be drawn to something I underlined usually, but. <laughs> you underlined I, pretty much the whole book, though. I did not. He did. So this comes from uh, page 61. What usually happens, the show doesn't come off very well. He begins to think life doesn't treat him right. He decides decides to exert himself more. He becomes, on the next occasion, still more demanding or gracious, as the case may be. Still, the play does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he is sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well? Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants? And do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate, snatching all they can get out of the show? Is he not, even in his best moments, a producer of confusion rather than harmony? It's got one of my favorite lines in the book there is that... Uh... <laughs> The victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well. 
I can say that in the first person. I have the delusion that I can that I can rest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if I only manage well. All right, that's a good one. Uh, good evening. My name is Vlad, and I'm an alcoholic. Vlad. Uh, perfect. Perfect. Man, and I got to share my story for the first time last week on my 365, which was really cool. And I, I was actually avoiding it for a long time. Dan has mentioned it multiple times, and I was like, like recoiling it from it like a hot flame. Like, nope, nope, I'm good. Because yeah, uh, I didn't really need to wait for your one year. You'd had this spiritual experience and broke through the deal, you know. The one year was just really a mile marker kind of thing, you know. You'd had the awakening, man. You, you've had that months ago. Yeah, but it, it really was... I think it was beautiful for me to do it on my one year because it, it, I don't know, it solidified something. Just wasn't um, something I needed to wait for. No, no. So maybe I needed to wait for, maybe yeah. for myself. Because, um, and as I shared in my story, I came into the rooms because I was still trying to run my own show. Uh, sobriety was going to be the way I was going to do that. I was going to fix, manage, and control, and manipulate, and convince everybody into exactly what I wanted and that was just a, to get a relationship back and um yeah it's been a, a hell of a journey overall and I don't know it's it's a daily battle right it's a daily battle to cause you I don't I don't even know. How to continue with this. Like it seems like all my life all I've been doing is fix manage and control. And um acceptance is the answer to all our problems today, right? That was a passage that I was told to read early on in recovery by someone close and I, I read that over and over and over again because things weren't going the way I wanted them to be and I made myself out to be the victim pretty much on a minute basis like this is all happening to me uh, I was very much the cynic the the person half glass half full waiting for the shoe to drop like bad things were coming because a couple of good things just happened so they're inevitable like um, and I thought there was a romanticism in that when I was drinking. I was like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. It's it's almost a cultural thing I've noticed, too, especially with Russians. It's like it very, very gloom. I'm too loud. You need to move that second mic away yeah. from me. Um, He's bleeding into the second mic a little bit. Um, you know, you, I don't know, lots of... It's definitely cultural, very gloom lot, I think. Uh, and alcoholism runs deep through our veins. And the whole thing with, like, recovery is admitting that we are powerless. Well, with what I've noticed from my culture is you are an alcoholic because you have no willpower. And that's what I've been told over and over. And that's what, you know, my grandparents have told me about my father that he's an alcoholic because he has no willpower his willpower is so weak absolutely he is powerless this is our disease right and 
yet we still try to fix, manage, and control it on on every basis. And it's so hard to just let things go. And it's it's something I struggle with every day and becoming more conscious about it. I would say. Yeah. Um, when I know when I'm angry, irritable, discontent, it's because I'm upset. Things aren't going my way. I'm not letting life happen on life terms. You know, I'm not letting my higher higher power guide me or like I'm not maybe paying attention to the lesson in the pain I'm going through. Yeah. And I feel like that's a very important. I mean, lessons are important. That's how we learn. That's what we evolve, you know. And the very fact that you're sitting here being aware of that is what this stuff is about. Right. Absolutely. At some point you're oblivious to that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Back in the madness, I'm just angry. Right. I'm going to drink like. Things aren't going my way. Jump right back in the cycle. Right. Now I can I can almost take a little step back away from it. And it's it, it's a lot of these tools, right? And meditation is a big part of it. Oh, I touched in my story on like the amount of yoga that I've incorporated, right? And through yoga, breathing, meditation, and all of that. And it's, um, you know, when you're trying to meditate, uh, for the longest time I thought is like, I can't have thoughts. I can't have thoughts. As soon as you think I can't have thoughts, you latch onto that thought and you're thinking about how you shouldn't be having that thought and all these judgments come up against yourself. Well, it's kind of like life and our daily thought process. Like uh, I'm trying to fix, manage, and controlling and then I'm upset about something and now I'm upset over the fact that I'm upset about it. And you just, you spiral down this crazy loophole and that's how fucked up our thinking is from birth before we like get really deep into drinking or anything like that um and the wonderful thing is today we're a little bit more conscious and not great like we fuck up we're not perfect progress not perfection on a daily basis and we can just step outside of that and be like i am upset right now and what's going on and uh, another thing is like going through the fourth step we will list what is affecting, right? Like, this is triggering maybe my fear right now. What is really going on at the bottom of it? I'm afraid. I'm afraid of losing something. Or I'm afraid of not getting something that I want. Once again, what I want, what my will is. It's it's me. It's always me. Um, we talk about that's the good news the book has to offer. That I am the problem. Yeah. I've been told all my life I can't fix nobody else. I can't change other people. So it's a good thing it's me. Yeah, it is. And uh, the whole higher power comes into mind, right? Uh, for the longest time, I thought I was God and I would run my show. And I wasn't very good at that. Um, I caused nothing but pain for for people around me and for myself. No matter how hard I thought I was trying to help everyone around. And I thought I had the best intentions. Yet... They're, it's usually fear-based and manipulation-based. and But today we can step out of it. I, and I know I am not God. And if I'm just patient and acknowledge what's happening, good things will come, right? And a, a lesson will be learned. Whether I want to learn this lesson a hard way over and over and over until I, it finally sinks in or whether I'm patient and I, you know, flow with the current as a lot of people like to say yeah good answer man cool glad brotherhood fellowship brotherhood and fellowship what do these guys say what do these guys mean to you 
I mean, shit, we're here right now, right? This is this is so important. I want to put in vacation time from work and not go to work to come to something like this and enjoy fellowship. Because um, your weekend doesn't align with the rest of ours for the most part. Too. No, yeah. So I work at a warehouse situation where I work in back half, and Saturday is my Friday. Um, but what does brotherhood means to me? Like, and, and today specifically, like, I woke up, and I'm going through some shit, and I'm, I'm trying to... I wouldn't say fix, manage, and control, but I'm I'm upset and I'm bothered by something that's going on, right? So I don't know. I just found out my ex got a new boyfriend. Why? Because I creeped on her Facebook. Why? Because I don't I don't fucking know. So I'm upset, and people can see that, and they're like, "Are you okay?" I'm not okay, and that's okay as well. Not to be okay. This is bothering me. It's it's always bothered me, right? It's it's something that's painful. I know it will get better, and I'm thankful that I got you guys here today. That I'm not by myself isolating right now right thinking of the next thing what is going to get me out of the wood do i go get a pack of cigarettes do i get a tub of ice cream and eat that tub of ice cream what do i do like how do i get out of it instead of just sitting with the feeling or being around and like first thing i did i i talked to a couple of guys about it yeah. i was honest i Tell. didn't hide it like this is what i'm going through right um and yeah it's it's been dwelling on me throughout the whole day and like the thing is, I don't have to wear a mask around you guys. And you can see it on my face. And it's, and that's okay, too. And it, it will get better. It continues to get better on a daily basis. And it's just part of my journey. And there's a lesson to be learned here as well. Maybe stop being fucking nosy. I don't know. Uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't bother. It's not in your business. Leave it alone. Maybe that's the lesson. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. But that is what brothership means to me. Yeah, it's like a, you know, we get close and it's like a, I liken it to like everybody's got a thermometer in their mouth, you know, and you can look at the other dude and you can like, once we start getting to know each other and stuff, you can look and see what's up with somebody and where they're at, you know, are you okay? Are you not okay? Uh, it's almost like having a, you know, a readout on you or what, like a tip box, you know, they put them on them shipping containers where you can tell if, if the container's been tipped over too far. I can look at you and go, damn, you look like you've been tipped over a little bit. What's up? <laughs> so I'm going to give the same honor back to you. Thanks, Vlad. Thanks, guys. Love you. Congratulations on your 365, too, man. You're still real fresh off of that. That's cool, glowing energy. So I'm going to let you pick for Charlie. Hells yeah. And I have a, that, that leather's in there at the spot. Like the last time you asked me to do this? Yeah. Okay. Just exactly 20 minutes ago? like the last time. I didn't know if you'd remember. Mm. I do have a problem remembering things. And do you want to use my headlamp? <laughs> Charlie used my headlamp. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I like that one. I gotta use that more often. I don't even know. Alright. Page 70. I mean, this is the first paragraph I looked at. That's what we pick. That's what we pick. Alright. We have been through about our personal inventory. We have written down a lot. We have listed and analyzed our resentments. We have begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We have commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We have begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill towards all men. Even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We have listed the people we have hurt by our conduct, and we are willing to straighten out the past if we can.
Juice. My name is Charlie, and I'm an alcoholic. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Charlie. So, um, I'm just really excited to be here tonight. Uh, <laughs> first off. Yeah, first off. Uh, I am a former water bottle carrier. And, um, man, I drove up to Cincinnati this morning and drove back, and then I drove two hours here. And uh, I just love this program a lot and what it's done for me. And um, <sighs> resentments kill me. I'm going to steal a Danism here and, and uh, talk about that trash can that I've been carrying around my whole life. And it just stinks. And, uh, you know, every time I get one of these resentments or some feelings that I don't know what to do with, I just stick it down in that trash can and keep walking around with it for the rest of my life. So I'm just hauling around a bunch of junk. And um, a lot of my resentments actually came out of, like, abandonment and... Um, <clears throat> people that I had parted ways with and usually it was like a relationship with a female but there were some men in there too and uh, a lot of that stemmed from the fact that it made me feel like I wasn't good enough which is something that looking back on it now I've I've carried my whole life and uh, I still suffer from that today but I'm working on it this feeling that I am not adequate and uh, you know when I was younger and, and actually the first time I drank, I think that's what I liked so much about the drink was the fact that when I drank, I didn't have that feeling anymore and I wasn't worried about what other people thought because like I knew that I was the shit. Like here I am, I've got my mojo juice now. Yeah, you know? Some level people will say, there's another little parallel. People say like, you know, the promises happened. Yeah. You know, I intuitively knew how to handle things <laughs> that I didn't know how to handle before, you know? Boom, yeah, you know, and it's like I, I had the solution until I didn't, until the solution stopped working. And uh, so then for the better part of 20 years, you know, I, I, ch I chased that solution that worked, you know, one time and, uh, and then didn't work. And then created a whole new slew of problems. And um, so what was the question? Well, the question is, just, what we're doing, reading out of the big book and talking about the sharing your experience and what you touch on, man, but uh, if whatever comes out of your mouth is what you're supposed to say in the beginning before we ever started. I prayed that uh, whatever we needed to say today was what we said, and that's really the, that's the answer to the question. Exactly. So, <laughs> uh, I, I have bounced in and out of recovery for really the better part of a decade, and... I never worked any steps. You know, I said I did, but I, I never really did. Now, having worked the steps. And um, to me, it was like looking in the mirror, you know? And um, I like doing it, though, because after I did that third step, when we made that pact that we were going to do this work, I really got excited about it because... You know, for almost 35 years, I had no idea who Charlie was. I had no idea who made, what made Charlie tick or none of that. I mean, it was just a, a body with no direction. And uh, so we do this work 
and I, I kind of start to gain a sense for it. And like one of the things that these steps have given me is that I find out some of what my passions are, you know, like what inspires me. And that's why being around the guys in this program is so important because I get that. Like we get the juice from each other. Somebody says something and I'm like, wow, holy shit, that just hit home right there. And I may have heard it 10 times before and it's just I'm at a different spot every day. So like I hear these things and um, I talked about that first drink. I was looking for that feeling and I found it. I found it here uh, in this program, you know, in the 12-step recovery. And a big part of that for me too and why I think it didn't stick before was uh, there's this saying and it's like the opposite of addiction is community. And I wasn't planting the roots, you know, like I never dug into anything before. I would always half-heartedly do something. But building that connection with the people sitting at this table right now, with the other people in the rooms, with the guys in the recovery house that I had, like investing time and energy with other human beings, um, it keeps me plugged in and it helps me grow and it gives me more juice. Like, I just started actually working with a sponsee about a month and a half ago. And that's been a whole new thing for me, you know. Yeah, so, truth be told, I didn't really want to sponsor him. <laughs> you know, like, I knew that's what I needed to do because I made that pact with my sponsor that once we did these steps, I would give it away. And and the guy was persistent, you know. I want you to sponsor <coughs> Well, we're doing it. And now we're going through it, man. And, and it's like I'm I'm working the steps all over again, you know. It keeps me plugged into the book. And it, it really has kind of lit my fire. I was worried that I would get stagnant because that's what I've done all my life with everything. Like I get passionate about something for a month or two. Uh, we were talking about wakeboarding or water skiing or surfing earlier today. And it's like, oh, yeah, I was all about it until I wasn't. But uh, the fact that I get to continue to pay this thing forward is just awesome. And I love it. I love the connection with other people. I love the fellowship. Um. I love the energy, man. It drives me. It's given me a new purpose in life. And that's another thing that I never had. I never felt like I had purpose in life. But today I feel like I have purpose and direction. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, that, uh, you know, I dropped that line there tonight and I give, I listened to that Kent C a couple more times that, since then and I realized how much I steal from him of that. Uh, so, it's not a program of some get it, some don't. It's a program of some do and some don't. And he also has a thing in there where he talks about sponsorship. And he says, you know, maybe 20% of what I can get out of this, what, what's available to me out of this program is from coming in and connecting and working the steps. And he said the other 80% that I really get the juice is from helping somebody else get this thing. And that's sponsorship, giving it away. Uh, my life is full because of that. Uh, recovery brought me to yoga. I didn't know anything. Wouldn't have never done yoga. There's no way in the world you'd have caught me dead on a mat. Recovery brought me to yoga, and uh, and yoga brought Charlie to recovery, and we intersected there in a in a studio in Louisville. And I think that's just a real cool thing how that uh, how our power makes things happen like that. You touched a little on the fellowship and the brotherhood. Do you have any? You want any more? Go on that, or you want where yet? Because some of y'all are starting to get the gist of it and you start wrapping your, you know, yeah. you know that question is coming and you're yeah. you're going ahead and incorporating it in your, what, what you're sharing. You talked about I, the community yeah, aspect. Yeah, the community and, aspect. Well, and Dan just said, you know, that yoga actually brought me to recovery. So, like, the yoga has been a big key thing for me in my recovery, too. Um, 
just developing that community in there because it's funny I see people that don't identify with the ism you know but I see a lot of people in there too that are suffering that are trying to heal from something and so like the yoga aspect in the yoga community it was really important to me because like you'll hear us talk in this in the rooms a lot about the mind body and spirit <laughs> and uh a lot of times there's not a whole lot of bodying going on that's what i say too <laughs> and, yeah. and, and and i mean that and you know i it's sit here and say that as i got a vape right in front of me <laughs> but just being honest um but for me developing that physical connection with my body you know the first time they told me to just breathe it was like in a it was a profound statement i'd never even thought about my breath it was just something that i took for granted and so being able to link breath with movement and the mind uh it actually creates a spiritual experience for me yeah and to see other guys in this room like exploring those opportunities uh it means a lot to me, and actually it drives me some, too, you know? Like, in recovery now, it's amazing what open-mindedness has given me, new perspective, um, and willing to try new things. And I just, I'm really enjoying it, man. You know, I try not to put expectations on anything, but I know that I can always count on the guys in this room. And it's funny, when it comes to something like yoga or meditation or just something really far out there, Everybody in this room is pretty much down to try that with me, you know, if it if it can help us uh, grow closer to our higher power and build a stronger connection within our community. And uh, so I just really enjoy that aspect of it as well. Awesome, man. Cool stuff. So everybody's thanks, Charlie. Uh, yeah. Dan, may I intervene? I guess so. Well, uh, I got a big book in front of me, and I figured I'd flip a page for you. You sons of bitches. Oh, Dang. Oh, got him. Got him. Sitting here lakeside at Jesse's place. Got him. I'm going to flip through this little book we have here. It's actually called a big book. I always try to get out of this. I figure as a host, I don't have to do this. All right. <laughs> Bullshit. Huh. Page 41. As soon as I regained my ability to think, I went carefully over the evening in Washington. Not only had I been off guard, I had made a fight whatever against that first drink. This time, I had not thought of the consequences at all. I commenced to drink as carelessly as though the cocktails were ginger ale. I now remembered why, what my alcoholic friends had told me, uh, how, to prophes how they prophesied, I'm pretty good at that, that if I had an alcoholic mind, the time and place would come, I would drink again. They had said that though I had raised a, a defense it would again uh, one day give me before some trivial reason for having a drink. Well, just that did happen. And more for um, what I had learned from of alcoholism did not occur to me at all. I knew from that moment that I had an alcoholic mind. I saw that willpower and self-knowledge would not help in those strange mental blank spots. I had never been able to understand people who said that problem had them hopelessly defeated. I knew then it was a crushing blow. What you guys say about that? Well, I really quickly relate to uh, like a what we say here is we share from our own experience, right? Yep. And uh, what was it? I think I think Bill also used someplace in there that was the uh, beginning of my last debauch. Uh, 
a similar, very similar situation that I can relate to that with was the beginning of my last debauch was that, you know, and I think I actually was telling uh, Travis about it last night about of uh, 2013, I had given away a marriage. I would like to say that I lost it, you know, but, but I didn't. I, I flat gave it away by continuing to use and, 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 uh, and do that. And, and the fact of the matter was I had uh, had a year of recovery with, with, with this lady, with this gal, the mother of my children. And, uh, and she saw what happened when I did that. Now, I didn't get what I got today, but I still had lights on more. And then I went back. And when that happened, she was not going to take another one of those. That was not going to happen, and uh, and I, you know, someday we all draw the last straw, you know, and uh, she did that, and I, my divorce was final like in March the fifth, and I was on an airplane to go to Thailand on March the eighth, and I was like nine less than someplace in the neighborhood of ninety days sober, and I stayed sober exactly four days in Thailand, and for no reason whatsoever other than you know, and I can't really you know, I was I was I was determined to maintain my my sobriety over there. But uh, I put myself in a position where I was had. There's no way I could have won. I was sitting with guys three days in a row after work drinking, and watching them drink, and watching them get their moods elevated and have all that happen. And and, uh, and there was no there was no fucking way I was going to survive that, you know. And that, and I had no mental defense, no defense whatsoever against telling those guys turn that cup over, put some ice in it, and pour me a beer. And man, it was a hundred mile an hour from right there, zero to sixty. Uh, you know, I was doing some really crazy stuff too. You know, I was like, I didn't take another taxi cab in Thailand the whole time. I was on the back of them scooters, man. And if you're like in Bangkok, on the back of a scooter, uh, is is dangerous. It was fun. Uh, but that that so when when that part of Bill's story, you know, some of those things you you have I, some of those things I have more to, I, I I more easily relate to than other ones. Uh, you know, and I said that when I leave and go home, I won't do, you know, I will stop, right? I'll put it away. When I get on the airplane, I won't, I'll, I'll stop. I won't take it home with me. And uh, I got on the airplane. We fly, my work was very generous. And they flew us in business class, which is essentially first class. And that lady walks up to you the minute you get on the plane and says, Mr. Reeves, would you like something to drink? Uh, yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> of course you would. Gin and tonic, please, maybe two. Uh, and, uh, and I said, well, you know, this is a 30 hour flight, you know, I mean, who, how do you not drink? How, that's insane. So I did that, but I said, once I get off that plane, I'll turn that off. And my kid, my dad, and you know, I'm freshly divorced. Uh, my kids saw what had happened. You saw the pain in their eyes and I get off of that airplane and I knew I had a, I, and, and, and it sounds a little bit crazy to me that this actually happened, but I knew I had a prescription of lower tabs waiting for me that I never filled. It was just sitting there. And there's another one knowing I really wasn't going to space over because otherwise I'd have done something about that, right? Yep. Uh, I wouldn't have left that. I wouldn't have left that laying over there. Mm -hmm. As I'm getting off the plane, that's where my head is. Not on getting home with my kids after three weeks, not seeing them, not the damage that I'd caused. My thought was, was get in my phone, get that order switched over to the local 24 hour pharmacy and pick it and, and tell my dad that I had run out of uh, blood pressure medicine. We first thing we need to do is get by the pharmacy on the way home. 
And so many times in my life was that same kind of thing. Not unlike that day that, you know, I broke in that house and I was in the very next morning after causing all that misery uh, the night before and watching the tears of my girlfriend and my mom and my dad and causing everything I did. I woke up the next morning and went out in the backyard and got the damn pills out of the rock where I hit them the day before, mm -hmm. the night before. It's just, I mean, you, you, we talk about powerlessness, you know. Insanity. And, and yeah, insanity. And, and, you know, what else is that, right? That you do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that's what that's what that story reminds me of. So I'll go ahead and into part B, right? This fellowship, and I think yeah. you all know how much that means to me. And I'm gonna, you know, I feel a little arrogant sharing at this level because I really do. And it's, and again, I always want to preference that this is not me. This really is not me. This is higher power working in me as a result of doing these steps and putting these principles into my life, having an awesome fellowship, and and frankly, the world's best sponsor. And I'll say to you that, uh, you know, if you don't think I have the world's best sponsor, if you don't think you do too, keep looking because mm -hmm. he's out there for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying mine is him, it's yours. Yours is someplace. And uh, so I've been handed these gifts, you know, and all of them really have been related into growing the community around me, right? You know, having the opportunity to have those retreats and have these guys, you know, this, I still can't get gather my head and I, and I have a visual of it. I actually have a panoramic photograph of it, of 32 men sitting around a campfire at my place in the country just this May. Mm -hmm. And I get a look around that, man. And people from, what, days sober, from inside like 30 days sober yep. to 35 years sober sitting around a campfire. We're sitting here doing this. I got in my pocket tools of connection to these group me's of my buddies that I am in a daily contact with them. Uh, you know, I, I took on this lead of doing this communication director thing, whatever the fuck that is, that I do this thing where I got everybody's sobriety dates. I keep the home group list. I know who all you fuckers are, where your names are, where you live at, what your emails are. <laughs> I send you out birthday requests, and that's what. And you know this is the thing. It used to be a little bit of a secret. But when it's your birthday on your birthday sobriety date, and you all know this, mm. Higher Power told me to do this. He gave me an idea, a way to participate in my own recovery. And that's another Kent C. line that I stole right from him. And Happy's the one that I remember. I give Happy credit for delivering that line to me about you must participate in, my, in your recovery. Because one night really late at a Dairy Queen in Cordon, Indiana, when I'm screwing around, uh, he wagged his finger in my face and said, Dan, fact of the matter is you must participate in your own recovery. And, you know, and I just flatly wasn't doing that. I was just wanting to hang out and have it happen, mm -hmm. right? And, uh... So higher power gave me these ways to participate in my recovery. And one of them is that thing where, you know, once it's your birthday, I keep track of it, man. I send everybody I know a text to tell you that it's your birthday. Because <laughs> that's what we do here, man. Pour love on each other and support each other. And, and I found myself in these roles. And again, I don't want to take credit for it because it's not me, but it but it happens. And it, so to the end, to come full circle, that is how important you guys are to me. That I am going to go like four fucking miles left and right in order to keep a fucking rope around us so that we stay together. I'm gonna do every fucking thing in my power. I don't let people fucking walk off. I see Shane do the same thing, man. Somebody comes in our meeting and they can't fucking sit and you see him leave, man. One of us are getting up and going and following yeah, his ass sure. and trying to talk him back in. We don't have a lot of success with that, but I'm fucking trying. Mm -hmm. You know, and when people come in and they need their hand, they're looking for a sponsor or they're looking for that kind of stuff, I'm putting my fucking name in the hat. I don't know if you've got higher power wants me sponsoring you or working with you or not, but I'm putting my fucking name in the hat. Right before that line, it says, uh, "Our book is meant to, our our book is only meant to be suggestive." It says, "He will help you create the fellowship you crave." 
And that's what I craved. That's what I crave today. Is your all's friendship, your fellowship. I've shared this before, man. At some real base level, all I want to be is the, you know, just don't leave me to be the last kid standing on the side getting picked for the kickball team. Some real base level. That's all I want. I don't have to be picked first, man. But don't leave me standing there on the fucking sidelines. And the same thing goes. I'm not leaving anybody else standing over on the sidelines either. I'm going to do it on my watch. That's all I got. Juice. Thanks, Dan. Now back to Dan. I love doing this. This is another way, man. This podcast is another way I get to participate. My recovery is completely unique. I mean, I don't know anybody else's get to do this. And these guys are the ones giving me the power and the thought and the, and the juice to be able to do it. Because I couldn't do it without y'all. Right? Y'all my biggest support. Uh, you know, y'all come sit with me and do it with me, right? You, you this like your game to do this because we carry this message to other people, and I know in every one of your hearts that's what we want to do, right? Carry this message. So, let's say like a sixty second. Let's go around and do a speed round concluder to conclude this up. Whatever your message you want to say tonight, uh, blast this. And I think what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it in alphabetical order. You know who's first? Assume. <laughs> you want me to slide over here? Yeah, I'll do this. All right. Watch that. About 60 seconds. We're not going to do a timer. Just try to stay tight. All right. Hello again. It is Brian, and I am one too. Um, Brian. <laughs> I just want to say that uh, this has been a hell of a unique fucking experience being out here doing this podcast and um, listening to everybody's stories and everything. and just kind of really reinforces that I am in the right fucking place at the right fucking time exactly where my higher power wants me to fucking be, man. And uh, I'm juiced up, and this whole experience has just been fantastic, and I just want to thank Dan for allowing us to take part in this, like I said, super unique experience, and uh, that's all I got. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Brian. Charlie, that's hot. You can spin the microphone too, you know, just turn it around. Charlie Alcoholic. Hey, Charlie. It's just been an awesome night. Uh, I feel honored and privileged to be here among my brothers and very fortunate. Um, <clears throat> I love the line and I heard it uh, for the first time maybe like a week or two ago. And this is kind of how I feel today. And that is it's not about fitting AA into your life. It's about fitting your life into AA. Yeah. And um, I, that's really all I need to say because, you know, that's what I've tried to do this time around, and uh, it just seems to make sense now. Yeah, man. Cool, cool. Glad to be here. Thanks, I think alphabetically I'm next, but I'll go last because I'll close the thing out. Hello, everybody. This is Drew again. Hey, Drew. Hey. Drew. hey. Uh, this has been an awesome weekend. Uh, it's been fantastic spending time with my tribe, my brothers, uh, a lot of guys that I've known for a number of years and gone through the same program with and a lot of people that I care about that have become part of the tribe and a couple guys that I, I just met this weekend that uh, had some really good times with. Um, so I'm just very, really, really thankful for this this family reunion that we got going on and uh, just feeling really blessed to be here so i appreciate it thanks drew jesse jesse alcoholic we just broke shit it's okay 
I'll be your microphone. Hooker. We're going to keep going. Um, I just want to say basically one thing, which is thanks to all you guys for being here. You know how I know we're hardcore is uh, one guy took off work to come here. One guy drove to Cincinnati two hours, then two hours back, then drove another hour and a half to get here. Three guys that I don't know all that well came to my house without knowing me because I asked them to. And, uh, you know, my other, my other brothers that are here came as well. And they're probably the ones really trying to get me to, you know, encourage me to do this for the last three years when I said I was going to at the beginning. And I couldn't stay sober, and I had that same feeling of, why would these people come to my house? You know, I'm not worthy of that. My place isn't as good as Dan's. It's not as big. It's not as cool. I'm not Dan, and we're all sitting here. And Dan is sitting right here with me. You know, one of my biggest supporters, and I, I have his and all you guys as well. So I just want to say thanks for being here. We're going to go have a fucking bonfire. We're going to turn this mic off, and it might even get juicier because, you know, we do have to hold back a little bit on here, but we don't have to hold back after this. So I love you guys. I am Nick, and I am an alcoholic. Hey, Nick. I am just so grateful to have this experience of getting away with a guy's weekend. Brothers that have shown me nothing but love and support when I was at my lowest, and... I will never forget this. Thank you for inviting me. Thank all of you. I don't really know anything else to say except that I'm just overcome with love and joy. So, awesome, man. Love you guys. And that's all I got. You're welcome, man. Shane Gibson, alcoholic addict. Shane. Yeah. I just want to, I got a lot of gratitude too. And um, I'm grateful that Jesse got sober. Because if you wouldn't have got sober, we wouldn't be sitting here right now. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? I've seen you come in and out, and uh, um, this time when you came back in, man, I saw something different about you, dude. And uh, I see you shining, and I fucking love it. And I'm grateful that you're here, man. And uh, I'm grateful that you invited us. Thank you. And let me be part of this, you know, since I'm not technically part of the lineage, you know what I'm saying? But Well, you, you are. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it just... It just feels really good to be sitting with with my brothers, man, and, and, and to get to know guys I don't know too well yet, you know, and, and I already feel like I know you, you know, and like I've known you for a long time, and it's fucking juicy as fuck. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, just super, super grateful to be here, and uh, thanks for everybody being here and helping me uh, stay sober, because you all help me every day, whether you know it or not, and I love y'all. Thanks. Thanks, Shane. Travis, alcoholic. Hey, Travis. <clears throat> Thanks, Dan. Thanks for uh, letting me share and for awesome, juicy, juicy meeting. Yeah, man. Uh, Jesse, thanks for inviting me down, man. Appreciate it. And thanks to all my brothers from another mother here. Uh, love you guys. I just kept thinking one thing when we're all sitting here. I was just thinking God's everything or God's nothing, you know. And that's pretty much what it's at. I mean, my God doesn't care what language I use. He doesn't care if I say fuck. He doesn't care if I... I'm in a church praying to him or if I'm sitting on my bed or if I'm on my knees or what clothes I'm wearing or where I'm at or he doesn't give a fuck about any of that you know and uh, I just uh, I'm just real grateful to be here thanks guys Cheers, man cool alright my name is Logan and I am an alcoholic oh, uh, 
one thing to wrap it all up. Something I heard earlier this year that someone said to me. Be gentle with yourself. Like We are our own worst critics. You know, our thoughts are just our thoughts. They don't make us the people that we are. Or, you know, we don't have to take action on them. Um, just like with meditation, when those arise, acknowledge them for what they are and let them pass without clinging on to them and riding it down this spiral. Um, and I love you guys. Thank you, Jesse, for letting us be here, for sure. It's been awesome. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So we will do that real quick, just real. Let's let's just thank Jesse this away. Because it is cool, you know, to, uh, to open up your place and to do this thing, man. And that's another vulnerability thing, you know, to go. You know, that's tough to do. I, I know it from my own experience. It's hard to do. It's to, to do that. You know, you feel so, you know, there's so those feelings of the less than stuff like that. Is it going to be okay? Is it going to be all right? How are they going to judge me? Is the food going to be okay? Are we all going to be all right? They're going to be able to sleep okay? Uh, bugs, okay? bugs, toilet paper, you know, <laughs> water temperature, you know fucking everything and, and, and all that don't really matter because when we're together it wouldn't make a damn bit of difference what was going on you know we'd be having everybody's a good time no matter what was going on right but thank you brother for doing this this is super cool um had a couple thoughts there and they all left me so um i will uh close this thing oh i know one thing i was gonna say about the lineage question because uh because christopher would be here and be honest, he, and he would have. But there are a couple professional relationship things going on because he really does pass this stuff down. And he knew that it's more important for these guys to be here in attendance than him. And uh, so, so really, that would be where the point, headman point of the lineage would be. So you are part of it. It's uh, and, and me and your sponsee brothers, man. I mean, we got the same. We're working out the same toolbox, right? Uh, we share the fucking toolbox. So. Um, I had to do these little things here too, so I'm gonna say dtmww.net. That's my little handyman woodworking thing, man. That helps pay the bills here, and so it goes both directions. Uh, that book, Twelve Step Spiritual Recovery, it's got these tools in it. We're talking about this delivering this uh, twelve step solution, these twelve step principles and tools to anybody who wants them. Alongside of that is a deeper dive and a uh, you know, I, I look back on a little meme I made the other day that said the great compendium, the magnum opus version of the 12 steps. Uh, so if you want, if you're not getting what you, you know, if something seems to be missing out of your current 12 step program, uh, this will offer you more, a deeper dive into that work. Uh, music around here is by, uh, wrapped around this thing is by uh, Darren Frank and, and actually Jesse has a big piece of that music too in here. I've kind of landed on that Let Go and Fly as being the theme song for this. I like the song, the title and I've just uh, landed, I was kind of playing, you know, just grabbing Darren's music and putting it in here and lately I've kind of landed on that song. Who plays the harmonica in that? That's uh, my pops. Yes, that's uh, Jesse's dad and he's also sober. He plays the harmonica in that, in that music, so that's even super cool, you know I mean? Yeah, it's just really cool that that uh, has that rounded version. That's another reason why that, I think that's part of the reason why that music, that particular song touches me is in, uh, as far as like the Spiritual Underground podcast theme song. Uh, I think I've landed on the song. Um, so I'll close with the same things I usually say, man. If you ain't, if you ain't having fun in your recovery, if you're not having a blast in recovery, it's your own goddamn fault. Thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner tonight. Peace out.
they wanted Always tried to do everything they said Only did the things they would approve of Locked away all your dreams inside your head Year after year you try to be a good girl They never failed to point out when you were bad Stuck to the program like a robot Trophy for mom and dad Inside you Except